0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why UnitedHealthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company,
1: supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads.
3: Welcome to Give Social, a show about helping you improve through inspiration. Each week, we discuss things that make your heart sing through stories, interviews, and debate. Every day, normal people do amazing things in business, charity, or through self-improvement. And we are here to celebrate them. My name's
1: Rob. And I'm Jen. So if you're looking for authentic, down-to-earth, and practical help to build a better life, then we welcome you to the show. And just to make sure you never miss an episode or one of our bonus podcasts that we might sneak in from time to time, don't forget to subscribe through your preferred podcast provider. It's easy and more importantly, it's free.
3: Now let's get on with today's show. Today is our final episode of the series before we take a short break until the end of 2020. When we started this podcast, we were in the middle of lockdown here in the UK We thought we would do our first 10 episodes through to October, and then we would be celebrating how we have emerged from (laughs) COVID-19 and looking forward to life in a new
1: future. Well, it hasn't all gone exactly how many of us thought. So we're still in the middle of a lockdown in whatever capacity you may see it or experience it. And it looks as though we may be at the start of a second wave in part of the world too. But this podcast wasn't meant to be just about COVID-19. Yes, we couldn't ignore it, but the whole show wasn't going to be about the global pandemic. This show was about hope, inspiration, triumph over adversity, and celebrating the kindness we see every day in the world.
3: And from a very personal perspective, this show was about reaching out for us. As we moved everything to more working, meeting people online rather than in person, And we needed to find new ways to engage with clients and partners. So we decided a podcast would help us in that journey to expose ourselves to a wider audience and hopefully new people who would want to work with us too, whether that be charities, business individuals, or even other companies who share the same optimism for life as we do. We've been very lucky in just... 10 episodes, we have achieved so much. And so, this episode is an opportunity as we end our first series for us to celebrate this. We're going to be looking back at the best bits of Give Social so far and sharing with you some of the things that we're proud of that have come out of launching the Give Social podcast in 2020.
1: We'll also share with you our plans for the future, what you can expect from series two of Give Social, and some of the plans we have for our website and helping people stay positive, inspired, and empowered to be the best they can. So stick with us for the next 30 minutes as we reflect, celebrate, and enjoy a look back on a momentous few months.
3: Let's start right back at the beginning then Mm -hmm. in our first episode, we talked about what we hope to achieve from the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jenna, you talking about confidence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I thought this may be a great place to start reflecting today. In 10 episodes, I want to know how you have found it, Jenna, Mm -hmm. where is your confidence now? And what have you learned about yourself and confidence itself in starting this? But Mm -hmm. before we do, let's listen back to how you were approaching this podcast because I remember you had a way of explaining it which only you could so hang on let me just f- press play here
1: I'm normally behind you yes going yeah go on go and do it but now I'm actually you doing it front. you're pulling me out of the background yes I'm the behind the scenes person normally this is totally not my comfort zone I'm enjoying it yes but it's knocked my comfort zone. But I think that's part, and again, we'll we'll talk about all these various things as we go through. But I think what I've learned over the past couple of years is that on the occasions where I have pushed myself into something that is something I've either not done before or is something that frightens me a little bit or makes me nervous or whatever it might be. Once I've done it, I feel so much better. It's like when you're on holiday and the pool's cold and you don't want to get in. <laughs> but once you're in, it's Ooh. fine. <laughs>
3: good analogy jen
1: did it come round? okay oh that was it yeah and you can see where i get my confidence from when i get such fantastic supports from my loving husband
3: i get it i completely get it it's like getting in the cold pool on holiday
1: yes it's it's a nice place to be
3: yes essentially maybe we'll change the name of the podcast now (laughs) so jenna
1: It was spot on. It's, a, it's that is exactly. I stand by that analogy entirely. Really? Of course I do. It because and if you're talking about sort of reflecting back and thinking what I've what I've learned on the way, and I can still remember exactly that feeling of sitting here recording, speaking into a microphone. It only being the two of us in the room, yeah. But having that niggling thing in the background of not knowing that however many people might actually end up listening to it and hearing it, and whether those be people I knew or not.
3: And I think it's pretty safe to say there's a hell of a lot of people out there who don't know us who are listening to this show.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's brilliant. That's amazing. And, but what has been good is the response and the people that we do know, so the people we do have access to, you know, that can give us some feedback and actually... I have found that, I mean, no one's ever going to be mean to your face. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) But the feedback's just been really, really good. And everyone's almost, but almost in a way where people have gone, oh, like that's actually good, like quite a surprise. So that feels like a more genuine reaction. So for me, I have taken loads from that because I get my energy from the people who are around me. And so doing this now. I I do feel much more comfortable and I'm really, really glad we did it. And I think it's opened up loads of conversations, people I wouldn't have spoken to before. And I really enjoyed it.
3: I think one of the things that we've learned over the last few months has Mm. been how much very often other people's opinions don't matter as well. Mm. So I know we both do care a lot about what other people think, Mm. but there's a fear. And if you live in that fear zone, yeah, you never actually do something because you fear what other people may think. Yes. And as you found this time, mm. the positivity from people that maybe you thought might have been negative mm. has been fantastic. Mm. And so actually people being positive about something is really, really good because you you've you've ha- as the book says, you've felt that fear and done it anyway. Mm
1: -hmm. But it's a really good point you raise actually, because there's some people who've been, you know, forthcoming with that feedback and they've said, "But there's other people who I would have expected to say something who haven't, but you know what? It hasn't bothered me. No, that's the thing. I think exactly what you've just said there is almost not worrying about what people think that that silence or that lack of feedback hasn't made me go, Oh no.
3: So how's your confidence now? ready for series two,
1: ready for series two. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, genuinely. I've really enjoyed it as an experience. And I think it's something that has built me, built me up really. Brilliant. Mm. Okay. So we'll move on from that now. Episode (laughs) two was all about the impact of COVID-19 and we managed to somehow see the funny side of many things we had to endure on a daily basis. Mainly, we laughed about our experiences of homeschooling and yeah. shopping, yeah. and of course, Rob had another idea—one of many—this um, time about how teachers could have cashed in during the homeschooling period. So let's have a listen to what he had to say.
3: I I do think teachers do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think parents are at a disadvantage to teachers. Yes. Because children talk back to their parents much more than they talk back to teachers.
1: True. And they'd have to use the teachers on occasion to say, well, I'll have to tell your teacher that you've not done it then. See, and you go, oh, okay, the teachers, okay.
3: The teachers could have made extra money on the side over lockdown. They have these services, don't they, where you get a video message from a celebrity for your
2: birthday. <laughs> yeah.
3: We could have had it where the teachers charged to tell children off.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
3: So like £10 a minute. and
0: £10 a minute?
3: come on, the teachers need the money, Jen. And, oh. and the teachers could go on the video and and say your child's name mm. and tell them off for not doing the homework. Yeah. I had th- to pay for that. <laughs> I think the, one of the things about <laughs> that is... I've still not seen it happen, and I still think it's probably one of the greatest ideas I've ever had.
1: Unless my math is terrible. £10 a minute is £600 an hour. Yes, but how long does it... <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the value you put on that.
3: How long does it take to tell a child off? Uh, Come on. True, true. Probably a good minute and a half. Yeah. It's okay, so they'll get 15, 15 quid. quid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ferry <laughs> teachers would like £15 pounds to pre-record <laughs> Roller Kings of children. <laughs> Yeah. Please visit contact at givesocial.co.uk. <laughs> the other area that we had fun chatting about during COVID-19 was mm. the shopping.
1: Yes, in particular panic buying. Yeah. <laughs> um here's our own early experiences of panic as told through the eyes of Rob. <laughs> panic buying, that was a thing early on. It was. <laughs> Not we we didn't do it necessarily. <laughs> but that was one of the weirdest but i it, lo- it
3: only lasted 2 weeks
1: people- yeah it didn't last long but it for, for the for the period of time that it did go on for it it did unnerve me a bit did not that, a little bit so i thought what do they know that i don't like why do i think everything's kind of going to be all right but nobody else seems to be comfortable with that it,
3: it was a strange let's let's lay this out on the table for people early lockdown mm. i did all the shopping mm-hmm. So I was the one who left the house.
1: Yeah. I don't know
3: why that came into
1: I think being. it was just you being the man of the house. I was
3: going to say my manly instinct. Being inst-
1: protective.
3: Manly instinct yes. kicked in.
1: It was the hunter-gatherer thing, I think. Don't
3: worry, love. I'll get the toilet roll. And so, <laughs> oh, and he did. <laughs> and I did. I, t- I tell you what. That, at, the peak, at the peak of panic, yeah. Flanagan to the rescue. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: 57 rolls of toilet roll.
1: Let's tell the story properly so that people tell don't the, think you went... Tell the story. Rob saved the day.
3: <laughs>
0: 57 <laughs> rolls of toilet
3: roll. Later, yeah. we had neighbours knocking on the door. Can we borrow some toilet? No, we didn't.
2: I was going to say, I, was, I don't think we
3: did. I was hoping for that. I was, I was kind yeah, of... You wanted to help
1: others, didn't you? I
3: wanted to open the garage door and start a <laughs> shop you did anyway uh, you didn't so we did get a lot of toilet roll purely by chance mm. so it was a strange feeling going into supermarkets on my own because mm. i never he do
1: didn't that. do that in the first place <laughs> it's a new experience for rob
3: i had to ask where things were <laughs> and they wouldn't speak to me because it was COVID, yeah. and so that was the other thing about supermarket staff love them <laughs> <laughs> however yeah as soon as COVID kicked in, it was like you weren't allowed to speak to them. No. Uh, you weren't, there was this, I mean, yes, we had all the thing about space, mm. but you can still use your voice. So
1: <laughs> you can just imagine you shouting down an aisle.
3: Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> Checking I wasn't back on holiday. You know, like when you're on holiday and you're really trying to find the mayonnaise and you don't know what it's <laughs> cool. how to say it in French. It's French Spanish. <laughs> Felt a bit like that. It was these people who worked in the supermarket in the distance just kind of staring at you. Like, mm. what? A, look at all these people. And then, <laughs> so then you'd get to the toilet. It was strange. So you get to the toilet roll aisle and it was bare.
1: I was going to say there wasn't any.
3: Nothing. Mm. Even those really rubbish ones, like the ones that. The, like the ones in the paper, cone. the printer paper. Yeah, they wanted the cone shape that nobody knows how you, what they're for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> roll—that's kitchen
3: paper. Hey, listen. Uh, during during <laughs> lockdown, they even sold out of reams of A4 <laughs> printer paper. It was getting that bad. And mm. so, yeah. So anyway, we could not get it anywhere. Mm. We tried all our contacts. All <laughs> the <of> connects. <laughs> all the connects were without <laughs> toilet paper. Yeah. And then I remembered that, fortunately, through Give Social, we have a trade card at the cash and carry.
1: We do.
3: So I arrived at the cash and carry, all cocky and clever, about an hour before it opened. There was about 80 people already Mm -hmm. in front of me and it was raining.
0: Mm.
3: And I thought, no, I've traveled 40 miles. (laughs) I'm going home with toilet paper.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, you could not have come home empty-handed. That would have not gone down well.
3: (laughs) And then there was a sign as you walked down the queue to the back that said, limited supplies of toilet paper,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. one per customer. Mm I thought, she's going to go mad if I only go home with one roll of toilet paper. Considering <laughs> I've been gone since Friday. <laughs>
2: um,
3: and so I panicked and I sat, as just stood there.
1: That, that's your definition of panic buying? Yep.
3: <laughs> and then um, I thought I'd get a few other bits while I was there. So £400 later.
1: I'm a steam mop. I think we got a steam mop.
3: I got, I got, I got a steam mop. It, listen, you just don't, cleanliness, this COVID so, yeah, I got a steam mop. Yep. Uh, 57 rolls of toilet paper.
1: Yeah, but can we just, can we explain the 57? So when it said one per customer, what it meant was one crate, pretty much, of yes. toilet rolls per customer. Yes. <laughs> so not just one No, I didn't,
3: packet. I didn't go in 57 times. No, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the smallest. So we actually
1: ended up, but I think we probably felt a little bit guilty after because then we thought, oh no, people might think we've been panic buying when yeah. that wasn't ever the intention. Nope. And yet we've come
3: away with this many loo rolls. It was like going to Alton Towers and they had a special on where they were giving away free something. <laughs> I'm tr- come on, I'm trying to set the scene here, Jen. Imagine you've got all these people trying to get in. You've got a queue for two hours to get in. Yeah, You get in and then there was just like the most secure area and this area was covered by cones security guards barriers and behind it was toilet roll (laughs) and it had forklift trucks going mental literally just riding around with big crates of toilet roll on them and then members of staff throwing packs of 57 toilet rolls over the barrier as people caught them and they could have one in their trolley it was
1: ridiculous
3: it was crazy so I was glad to get home
1: The other thing you bought, and this was my request, was some UHT milk, some long life milk, because I, this is what I mean about how it affected me weirdly. I didn't go out and panic buy, but for some reason I had it in my head that it was really important that we had UHT milk, just in case we...
3: So how many times in our life we've been together a long time? (laughs)
1: Over 15 years.
3: (laughs) We've been together a long time, Jenna. How many times (laughs) in our life have we bought UHT milk? (laughs) Zero.
1: (laughs) actually zero occasions but it was just the thought of just not being able to have a brew
3: and how many bottles of UHT milk you got six no sorry how many bottles of UHT milk do we have left
1: (laughs) 6 we you've got a good few months left on them yeah I'll get them I'll get them yeah I'll find something I'll get them
3: used we could do a whole episode on UHT milk I don't get it I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever drink it. <laughs> do
1: you know what? I'm going to make you either, I'll do some porridge or some cereal or something, or I'll make you a brew, and you'll have to tell me if you can tell. You'll be able to tell, I'm sure, but...
3: It's witchcraft. It's
1: gonna... <laughs> witchcraft.
3: You can't keep <sighs> milk that long, not in the fridge, and it would be all right. <laughs> I don't think we actually did an episode on UHT milk.
1: No, I'm not sure there's one coming up either. I don't <laughs> know whether we'll get a full half an hour out of that. <laughs>
3: It's probably a good job at around that time that they started to allow us to mix a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Still distant. but Still
3: distant, but um, we allow people in our homes and things mm-hmm. like that. Because I don't think I could have taken many more episodes like that to be
1: honest with
3: you, no. <laughs> But what we did... Ha- have and what we were able to do when we could mix was we were able to welcome, uh, Neil Halewood into our home Mm -hmm. and we were able to have him as our first guest. Yes, Really pleased that Neil joined us uh, because I cannot stress enough how brilliant it was to have Neil on the show to talk about how much of his life he dedicates to charities and to communities. Mm. Uh, Yes. Because Neil has walked literally thousands of miles for Darien House and Inspire Youth Zone. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: He has sung,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. he's walked, he's run, he's cycled, he's hosted and promoted pretty much any event you can think of that helps those who are helping others. Mm -hmm. And in total, Neil has raised a staggering over £100,000, which is truly amazing. So during lockdown, Neil had charity events live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Nothing was going to stop him. No. And this included entertainment from live musicians. And he even had his own version of Play Your Cards Right.
1: He did, yeah. And in this next clip, Neil explained why he chose Inspire Youth Zone and Darien House as the charities he chooses to help in the community.
4: When we were kids, there were youth clubs, weren't they? You we could go and you could just, a, a safe environment um, where you could go spend the night. Your parents knew where you were um, and, it, and it was good. They seemed to have like gone away. So Inspire is somewhere where you can go and you, you're in a safe environment. They have 5 or side football pitches, they have climbing walls, they have pool tables. They have a place where you can go and spend time with friends and new friends. And that's partly funded by the, the, the local councils. Um, but they've got to make the rest of the money up themselves. But it's just a nice place to go. Whereas Darren House is a place where, it's, it's, it's a shame, and it's hard talking about it, but it's where people go to, they're going to die at some point. And it's, yeah, it is hard to discuss. And so when you think, I think they have to deal with 400 children a, a year that are on their end of life, or they're in for respite care. Yeah. Um, and they get, they need 4.8 million every single year to survive. And they get 10%. Everything else is through things like charity events. So there's a man two weeks ago, who walked from um, Westminster Bridge to Darien House, 247 miles and he walked it. Wow. And raised 6,000 pounds. 6,000 pounds is an incredible amount of money. Yeah. I mean, it's also a very long way to walk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's, there's things like that happen every single day. So if we, if we can just do something that brings a pound, because yes. one one pound, this pound or that pound, it goes to an amazing charity. And it's helping families enjoy the time they've got left left with the, with the children. And also when they go for respite, curse, or the, I know how difficult it is when you've got a child that needs 24-7. So they can go for one night and just give the parents yeah. uh, one night for a nice meal somewhere. Yeah. I can't tell you how much that means to them parents because it is a challenge.
3: Yeah. And we've all in our lives lost loved ones. And very often through life, you are at some point going to experience uh, death in the family. Uh, normally, in a, in a normal circumstance, you would expect that that would be a grandparent, a parent. But that thought of it being your child, yeah, uh, or one of your friends' children, I mean, I, I, that that fills me with, um, you know, can't even start to comprehend mm-hmm. what that must feel like. Um, and and this place, Darien House, it offers it offers that glimmer of hope in an environment where they know that they're being cared for. The parents can, as you say, take a bit of respite as well as the child take a respite. I think um
4: it it Down House is a, a, an amazing place because you can go. And I've always felt uncomfortable going beyond the front door. Cause it I do get emotional and it's just me, I'm a big softer, big lad, but I'm a big softer. They do amazing work. It's the happiest place in the world. Do you mean the mm. children are not they're not sad. They're very they're in a happy environment. They have swim pools there, they've got a brand new movie center there. It's just an amazing place. You don't see people walking around all miserable and negative. It's a positive vibe. Yeah. The second you walk in the place, from the staff to the children, it, it really is amazing. I mean, the, the, it was 1991. Um, there was a, the Haydock family created it and they had um, two kids, Derek and Ian, and they combined them two names to get the word Darien, which right. is where it came from. Um, and the, they had to raise £25,000 to put a fork in the floor to start the build. Um, and then they've handed it over to a lady who took it to another level. But they're celebrating their 30th anniversary next year, so they've got to do something special. Yeah, Because it's a lot of money they need to raise. You can't underestimate that, how much money that is. It's a lot of charity walking. It's a lot of charity events. Um, but they also do things, um, they'll send families to Ribby Hall Village where they can spend two or three days there with a the family in an environment that's not in your own home. So they might not be able to go into Derry for the rest by they are going to they have a nice area to go to of Ribby Hall and they, yeah. have, they have two apartments there and the families go out they take some time away from life and it's just a really I can't tell you how positive a place Darian is it's a sad place to go mm. but when you're there it's amazing the, the yeah. positivity around it is incredible
5: yeah
4: I know I always always
3: say this but Neil is brilliant yeah. and everything that he does in the community is fantastic mm. I know he's had to stop the big Santa dash that he's doing this Mm. year. We spoke about it on the show. Um, I I just want to say if Neil's listening or anybody who knows Neil, um, keep up the good work. Mm. It is difficult time, but there is no, there is no time like now where charities need your help.
0: Mm.
3: And I'm not just talking about Darien and I'm not just talking about inspire youth zone, Mm. all charities, all the ones that we're working with now, we have seen such a big impact, haven't we? Yeah. On, on, the, the funding for charities that's available mm. on the work that charities can do whether yeah. it be in schools and colleges or out in the communities so keep those people and those places in the front of your minds when you're thinking about how covid has impacted all different people yeah but Neil, keep up the good work. We will try and hopefully catch up with Neil at some point in Mm. series two, maybe. Yes. Now, at the middle of August, we moved into uh, self-improvement. So we wanted to take a closer look at personal development planning. Mm -hmm. And we were particularly looking at increasing um, how we wanted to use this term that we liked, which was the term of, self-empowerment and we're going to probably be talking a lot more about this in series two i think
1: well it threads through so much stuff yes that it will it will definitely come up again
3: but it was the inspiration from someone else that got us thinking about how we view good deeds Mm. and how we view charity work and the perspective of trying to help others yet this not being as easy as it sounds if you want to make this your livelihood yeah so let's have a listen to what we said and then we'll have a quick chat about it. Mm-hmm. The other one I who really inspires me is Dan Pilotta. Yeah. So Dan Pilotta talks about the way in which society is geared, particularly to towards to making time, people yes. feel guilty for the for how they improve lives of others, but also how they want to have a high standard of living while they're doing it.
1: Yeah. So making money out of charitable enterprise, essentially, that people feel guilty. Yes, They don't feel like they should make money out. They should be doing it because they want to help others and that should be enough. Yes, Society tells you that you, that's not an area you go into if you want to make any money.
3: This is it. And so I first saw Dan Pilotta do a TED talk. Mm. I think it was about 2014. And I will put the link to the to the TED talk I'll put it on the website yeah, yeah I'll make sure a yeah. link to it but I I had struggled for quite a while around how do how can I do all this stuff that I want to do to help other people mm. and to kind of give more of myself to others but how do I balance that with wanting to have a nice house and mm. a nice car and um and and a lifestyle that I can see the only way of achieving that would be to go and work in private industry mm. and so Dan really, really poses these questions about, um, you know, for example, it shouldn't be a choice between helping somebody
1: Mm.
3: or going to work in a bank. Yeah. Because that choice predominantly is going to be based on money. Yeah. And that shouldn't be a choice. Mm. But also he talks about the bigger picture stuff as well, the strategy stuff, the stuff which I really get excited about. And when we talk about strategy, he talks about people like Amazon who went six years without making a profit. But throughout that time, the investment for that company continued mm. because people had faith in where that was going. Yeah. Now we've fast forward nearly 10 years from when Dan Paletta first did that talk. Mm. Look where Amazon is now. Yeah. Now imagine you are setting up a charity or a social enterprise yeah. and you're going to say to people, I need you to invest in this, but I'm not going to help people mm. for the first 10 years. Yeah. How many people do you think you would actually get investing in that idea?
1: Well, exactly.
3: And this is where I would love, and this is why we're sat here now. Yeah. What we're trying to do, mm. and we're a really, really, really small part of it, mm. is Give Socialists about trying to turn that perception of helping people on its head yeah. and making it that little bit more almost fashionable.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's really important because I think people will, you know, private industry, people will commit time and effort and like you say, understanding into the fact that you need to make investment, not only in money, but in time to build something that does what it needs to do and is effective at doing it. Yet that isn't, that luxury, if you will, isn't afforded to smaller, whether it be charities, whether it be just probably public sector in general, actually, I think. uh,
3: and this goes back to that conversation we had about doing good for others in one of the other episodes, where mm. we said we talked about um, that word I couldn't say, which is philanthropy.
1: Oh, yeah, well done, good.
3: And how we look at philanthropists
1: mm-hmm.
3: as people who already have loads of money, yeah, and then decide to give that back, yeah. But what about if we could turn that on its head and start giving now, yeah, and then the money comes later
1: yeah yeah exactly
3: and so one of the things that Dan said um, right near the end of his talk that I really liked um, was around um, don't ask a charity about the rate of their overheads ask about the the scale of their dreams yeah and so to finish this episode uh, the question I think I would leave people with is not to get hung up on what you've been able to do so far
1: yeah or not
3: okay yeah or (laughs) not but really focus on how big your dream is and what small things can you do today to start moving towards achieving that?
1: Yeah,
3: I think bringing this back to now, mm. that conversation has more relevance now than it, yeah. than it did a month ago.
1: Yeah,
3: or a month and a half ago. Yeah, there is no better opportunity now to take a good look at. What, what are we valuing in society?
2: Mm.
3: Who have we needed? And I, and this is something that we've seen people talking about on radio shows and TV, key workers. Mm. What is a key worker? Mm -hmm. What value do we put on those as opposed to other areas of work where there's some people would say a false value in some of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's that gap between the high salary work and the good work that others are doing and whether they're paid enough. Mm. And this all comes back to what are we driven by? Are we driven by helping others or are we driven by building up materialistic things, etc.? Yeah, yeah. It's always something for us to consider and I'm sure it will keep coming up in years to come.
1: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So that was mid-August. At the end of August, we celebrated our wedding anniversary. We did. So this diversified our episode topics because we had two very special guests on the show from DFC Lancashire, who are the experts at putting together amazing weddings and events. So it made sense to speak to them on that week. Yes. And so Robin and Beth, Shared with us the challenges COVID 19 had brought to their business and also to the wedding industry as a whole. But there was also lots of positivity and inspiration, which is what we always like to celebrate on this show.
3: Yeah. And the bit I want to pick up on here is when Robin talked about what made his wedding and events company different from Mm -hmm. everyone else's. We always talk about being in a niche or making yourself different than Mm -hmm. everybody else within the market Mm -hmm. so but he also gave us a few tips on what makes a good wedding speech Mm -hmm. so what i've done is put together my favorite bits from that episode Mm -hmm. and we'll try and get that on now Mm
2: -hmm.
5: but yeah basically but yeah basically i started off in a bar and uh, started off on vinyl from vinyl i started doing people's parties went away to australia came back and my mother god lover called this agent up in uh, cheshire and said hi my son's a dj can he come and do weddings So 23-year-old lad, started doing weddings, still looked about 18 then, started doing these weddings, but the money doing weddings was so much better than doing bars. So I pretty much started working with this agent. I started booking his DJs for him, got poached by another agency, started booking their DJs for them. And I got to a point of, and it's a story I tell all the time, and Beth is sick of hearing the story. I (laughs) used to be the DJ manager. On a Monday morning, I would call the venues. The venues would say, DJ at the weekend was absolutely brilliant. But the DJ that sent the week before had a load of lights. Can you send the DJ from the weekend just gone with the DJs from the weekend before with his lights? So I was like, (laughs) there has to be a better solution here. And, And our solution was we need to create a brand. So venues and clients knew what they were getting. They were going to get a black tie host, they were going to get this set up, they were going to get this playlist played, and literally that's where the whole the DFC experience came from because it's 50% what the DJ does on the night and it's 50% what Beth and the team do at DFC before the actual event. And then you decided that actually what you were going to do, provide
3: some consistency, and no matter who they booked, if they booked it through you, they got the same experience every time.
5: It's brilliant that you've picked up on that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the goal was always sort of 10 years ago was to create this brand, this brand of turn up in same van, not white transit van, back of a Fiesta. So turn up in a branded vehicle, turn up in branded clothing, announce yourself to the venue manager. Hi, I'm here from DFC. Where am I setting up? Da, 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 da. They'd set up the same. They would cut the cake the same. They would announce the first dance the same. They would basically not talk all night on the microphone we run the dj side of the business now off what's called a code of conduct so all the DJs sign up to a code of conduct and that's everything from day 1 with dfc to, to actually finishing and doing a wedding because a, a dfc wedding is very much as soon as the client books we're in touch with them they can start planning their wedding with us a week before we then contact them the dj contacts them on the evening and then the experience finishes with us on the monday morning when we send them an email evaluation and we for their feedback, I will tell you a massive thing that we've we've done for the last two three years: bride or groom DJ and, and literally ten of their favorite tracks. Our DJ stays with them. We announce it. We've got a guest DJ oh. on bride and groom. The pictures are immense. Oh, brilliant! I love that. Actually, I've never come that with they actually yeah, get brilliant. from it. In fact, on our Instagram, our Instagram quick plug: DFC Lancashire. If you uh, you know on our Instagram and things like that, we put uh, a picture. We did it was our tenth tenth year party last year at the beautiful Mitten Hall. And we had a bride there, headphones on. And the picture is immense.
0: It's brilliant.
3: Brilliant. If there's anybody out there now who's sat there wondering how to write a best man's speech, what advice as a wedding expert that you are, Robin, give to somebody who wants to write a best man speech?
5: Do you know what? We ummed and aahed about this question before and thought how much detail to go into. And I've personally been a best man, which was a a brilliant honor. And that was about 11 years ago. And I'm going to be honest, I got it wrong. (laughs) I got it wrong. I tried to use the internet. Um, I tried to be funny. And the best man um, who I was best man for is actually my business partner who we've not mentioned today, a guy called Adam Bozeman. Adam asked me to be his best man. And I knew there would have been a lot of people at this wedding. So I knew I had to be funny. Do you know what? I didn't have to be funny. I needed to be genuine. I needed to just tell people what an amazing guy this guy is. The fact that everybody adores him. And I, I should have gone down that route. And I literally used the internet. I used every corny joke that there was, trying to be sort of ironic with it. And I tell you what, don't bother. Just literally do it from the heart. If you're a funny person, stick some notes on cue cards. Or equally, if you're more of a nervous person, there are loads of things you could do. Some of the best ones that I've seen, probably taken from your guy's wedding, where they've um, they've either asked a singer to do something. They have produced something pre wedding. Yes. And that's brilliant. And, you know, we can, we can definitely help that. We've done that in the, in the past. We've done that with Father of the Bride speeches where we can pre record something, we can read something out. But I think my one big tip is use the internet for maybe the formalities of what you need to say, but don't use the internet for jokes and just be yourself. I think I can, we can all relate to
3: being at that wedding where the best man stands up and. Just reels off a load of jokes that you've heard loads of times. Yeah, I remember going to one wedding once, and the best man's speech was just over an hour and a half.
5: Oh, I can beat that! I can do an hour and three quarters, and I didn't preempt my toilet stop before the speeches because, <laughs> I, as hosts at DFC, we always host the speeches. So we will announce the or well, the bride or whoever's um, uh, giving the the bride or the uh, the, the the groom away. But yeah, literally an hour and three quarters. That was quite impressive. These
3: episodes are really bringing back some brilliant Mm -hmm. memories for me. And it's great to listen back to them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say for anybody out there who wants to hear these full episodes, they will all be up there available Mm -hmm. in Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Mm -hmm. our website, Dexter, you name it, it's there. Yeah. Um, so by all means, go out, have a look. Um, if there's a certain topic that you're hearing in this episode today mm-hmm. that takes you interest, go and find it, listen to the whole episode. Mm-hmm. It's free. It's downloadable. Go and grab it.
1: And the other thing is your brother's best man speech is also available yes. on the website for people to listen to if they hadn't caught it already. <laughs>
3: exactly. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is we've got that back. We've now got over two and a half million views on that yeah. video, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. We had lots of fun in episode six when we played with the best self co-discovery decks. Uh, The episode was probably our first fully non-scripted show where we had literally no idea what was coming next Mm -hmm. as we played the game live as part of the podcast show.
1: Yeah,
3: We did this, um, together Mm -hmm. we enjoyed the cards and we shared our experiences of them on the website afterwards as well Mm -hmm. so be sure to check that out if you want to see a review of the best self co discovery decks
1: yeah i mean i really like the completely random and unexpected start we had when i got to ask you the first question and quite how we got to where we did i don't know but let's recap when rob was asked what i thought was a fairly simple question (laughs) Would you rather have a cook or a maid? Oh, would I rather have a cook or a maid? Hang on, I'm both, Anna. I?
3: <laughs> I would rather, I would rather have a cook. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think. Hang on, I, I would. I'm going with cook mm. because although I do enjoy cooking every now and again, I don't really do it much. I'll be honest. <laughs> True. I, I do cooking most when I've got a surge for healthy and being productive mm. but I've got to be honest it's not something I spend a lot of time doing
1: no I was going to say are you going to say that you do more cleaning
3: no <laughs> no
1: this is not
3: no, a true I, reflection I think a maid would get in my way
1: <laughs> because can, they aren't confined to one room yes I can
3: all all I'm thinking now is I'm going to be in a room doing something and the maid's going to walk in <laughs>
1: okay we'll leave that there (laughs)
3: no not like that (laughs) i just mean if i'm busy and a maid can just cruise through the house walking in different rooms and clean Mm. and no
1: (laughs) okay give me a don't want anybody who wanders
3: (laughs) i've completely convinced myself i want to cook
1: (laughs) okay fine (laughs) it just Tickle me still,
3: that one. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm sticking by the fact that I would much rather have a cook than a maid and we'll just leave it there, I think. Yes, I think so. Not every episode is fun and jovial. Mm -hmm. Um, We do try and make sure that every episode is positive, though. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And we can't recap without reflecting on the very, for me, the very special time that Mm -hmm. we spent chatting with Fegan Murray. For those of you who missed episode seven, uh, we encourage you to go back and take a listen because this was a moving and inspirational interview for us.
1: We were so thankful to Fegan for her taking the time to tell us all about Martin, her son who was killed in the Manchester arena attack following the Ariana Grande concert in 2017, but also the inspirational story of how she has dedicated her life now to promoting kindness, compassion and forgiveness.
3: So rather than say anything else, here is Fegan in her own words, describing why, and how she manages to use her grief and the experience of losing Martin to bring more light into the world for those she can help along the way.
1: I think the way that you've dealt with it, both you and all of your children as well, is nothing else but inspirational, really. And I think that's what our show is all about, and that's why we wanted to speak to you. And I think particularly how you have navigated all of this over the past three years is just phenomenal, really. So what we want to talk to you about now is the work you do with young people in schools. You've mentioned it briefly already. And the work that you do now to promote peace and kindness and tolerance in Martin's memory.
0: Yeah, because of their young age, both both brothers, I, I felt that first year I couldn't do anything. I was like uh, initially in cloud cuckoo land, zombie land, wherever. I was grieving like mad. I was crying a lot in private. And the first year, I wasn't capable of doing anything. But I did say to my husband, as soon as that first anniversary is over, I need to go and talk to young people. I felt very, very compelled because they were so young. And and I, I became aware that people are being led down a bad route through the internet. And I felt that actually, at the same time, I felt that young people, that there's a real sense of awakening when I think of young people dealing with climate change now and finally alerting us grown-ups that it's not okay what we've done for their future. So I felt that, okay, young people are the answer here. Young people are our hope for a better world. And I started going to schools and talked to them, obviously, about what happened to us as a family but also that I, I want them to, to think that I'm not just there to tell them a sad story, but actually the purpose of me going is to talk about, obviously, uh, taking extreme caution what they see online, and also, you know, when you go to schools and you ask how many of you have come across um, terrorism-related stuff online by accident, and out of 100 kids, there's usually at least 40 hands coming up, which is enormous, you know, and uh, it's quite concerning. So I talk to them about that. But most importantly, and that's the message I leave them with, I want them to know, I say to them, look, you're the future grown you're the future educators, policymakers, lawyers, solicitors, whatever. You are, you are the people who will shape your future. And you have a responsibility to make it the best future you can. You are the best hope for a peaceful world. And I said, your most important task is you're going to be future parents. So it's really important that you instill in future generations the notions of kindness, tolerance, acceptance, togetherness, unity, and I always say you need to not fear difference. You need to embrace it as enrichment to your own lives. Those are really important messages.
3: Listening back to Fegan there still brings a lot of emotion out in me Mm. just because not just of what she told us during the show, but now we can see that we've got the public inquiry still going on and I follow Fegan on Twitter and on social media and she's going every day to the hearing. And that must be so difficult for her, but she is such an inspirational person who mm. shares so much positivity um, out of all of this with whoever she can. And mm. I just, once again, wish vegan all the best of luck with everything and if there's ever a way in which we can continue to help her and raise awareness of the mm-hmm. work that she does including those fantastic peace bears yeah. that she makes
1: oh well we gave one away shortly after we did. the show we had one of vegan's peace bears and she's now well anita i say she because um vegan gives each one of the bears a name and this particular bear was called anita and anita has now found her new home uh, with a lady in manchester and uh, yeah so we're really pleased about that which is a nice end to that recap of the episode I think.
3: Yes. And just so you know, Anita actually has her own Twitter page.
1: Does she now? She
3: does. Anita Peace Bear One.
1: Yeah. So oh. if you go
3: onto Twitter, you go to at Anita Peace Bear One. Oh. And uh yes, that's uh that's her Twitter profile. So we can even continue to follow her afterwards as well. It really has been an eventful few months, hasn't it? And mm. it's been brilliant to recap on those yeah. episodes. Lots of other episodes happened. Lots of other things happened in Mm -hmm. those episodes. So just make sure if you've got the time, go back and listen to them all. Mm -hmm. We love them. We hope you do too. Yeah. I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has joined us in this first series. Yeah. On a very personal note, we are so pleased that each week over 500 of you have been regularly Downloading this series of episodes. Mm. We've had thousands of visits to the website and we even celebrated placing sixth, sixth, not 60th, (laughs) not 16th, sixth Mm. on the Apple podcast charts. Yeah. So, in terms of a confidence boost for both of us, uh, this experience so far has been a massive one. Yeah. We've also been lucky enough to receive extra work with charities and small businesses. And this is one of the reasons in which why we're going to be taking a slightly longer break Mm. until the new year, because we've always said that this is our side hustle. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I know you love that word. Mm, And we do have full-time jobs that Mm -hmm. we do nine till five. Yeah, We do also have this work that we do with charities and small business, Mm. and we have the podcast and we have a family and we have lots of other little things on the side as well. So Mm. We've decided that the podcast break is going to be slightly longer because we've been very fortunate to pick up some additional work, which we really want to share with people going forward as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So what are our plans now? Well, in the immediate future, we're taking some time out as a family. Rob celebrates his 40th birthday next week. I do. And despite not being able to party like we wanted to with boo. family and friends, boo, 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 uh, we are still planning a few days away here and there to enjoy what we can as a household together and try and celebrate in style Yay. where we can. And then we'll probably leave you as 39 while next year and then do it all again next year. Yes. Probably. <laughs> uh, but then the preparations will start for the next series. And we'll also be making some improvements to the website. So we'll do that where we can. And we're looking forward to working with our new clients and we hope to bring you the results of that either through the website or maybe through a couple of podcast episodes next year.
3: Yeah. So finally we thought we would let you know what we have planned for next year. Who knows what 2021 is going to look like for many of us. So we have decided that the whole of series two is going to be dedicated to self-empowerment and improvement. We think that the timing of this will be absolutely perfect.
0: Mm.
3: We spend far too much time looking backwards. We spend quite a lot of time and we have really done this recently, looking at what's going on day to day and the now. So what we really want to do is help others
1: mm-hmm.
3: and help ourselves yeah. look forward. Yeah. How do we empower ourselves
1: mm-hmm.
3: and make some real future focus plans.
1: Yeah.
3: So we have some really special episodes planned and Mm -hmm. also some online tools and tips. So we can't wait to share those with you soon, which will be in 2021. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we may bring out a few bonus podcast episodes over the autumn and winter. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for those. It's time for us to finish today, but we will see you again next year.
1: So, before then, why not join our Facebook group, Give Social, or head on over to the website, givesocial.co.uk? Uh, we'll keep things going. We've got special things lined up for people who subscribe and for Facebook followers. We'll have giveaways, guides, and free tips, so don't miss out.
3: So, we'll see you all next year for more Give Social. Bye bye for now. Me.